Abner, a good Friday to all of you. Thanks for joining us as always. It is very much appreciated. Uh, we'll get into the Patriots in a minute, but first, great feedback this week from all of you in the comments, YouTube videos, some great stuff from you, of course. We are over 1,000 subscribers on the YouTube channel trying to continue to build this community, build this family. And if you'd like to do so, make sure you give us that like, that thumbs up on the YouTube video, comment as well, and of course, subscribe if you're listening on Spotify or Apple Pods. Don't forget to rate and review. All right, I want to look at this Patriots offense from 30,000 feet. Because, of course, we know in the NFL, it's all about offense. Offense, offense, offense for the most part. That's been the case for the last five years or so. And when you look at what's happening here within the Patriots offense, and not only what this looks like in the present, but also the fact that it was not good last year, and in the future, you really have little hope. You have little to look forward to when we talk about this offense going into next year, the year after that, and beyond. I mean, really, you can look at this offense, and you can say it's Pop Douglas or bust. You can throw Ramondre Stevenson in there as well the last couple of weeks. He has shown more juice. He looks like the guy who he was last season. But let's not get it twisted. It's the running back position. We know running backs long-term isn't really on the docket for those guys. So when you look at this offense, what do you feel good about? Do you feel good about anything moving forward? There are so many questions about what could happen to that side of the football. And that's why you feel like it's really Pop Douglas and everybody else. Now, maybe Kayshawn Booty, we'll talk about this a little bit later. Maybe Booty will get his shot in Germany tomorrow, actually Sunday morning. Maybe that will happen. But when you look at this, Bourne is a free agent coming off of a torn ACL. Every single one of your three tight ends are walking into free agency. Trent Brown is a free agent. Michael Wenu is a free agent. Two of your three best offensive linemen are likely going to look around the market and see what's available to them. You go up and down. Stevenson is a free agent in 2025. And again, it's not usually the case that teams hold on to running backs unless they are truly special top three, top four guys, and also are a weapon catching the football. Now, Stevenson showed some of that last year. This year's slow start, last couple of weeks better. But when you look around, I mean, you've got Pop, you've got Stevenson, and then you've got what? Maybe Kayshawn Booty shows a little bit of promise here at the end of the season. You weren't good last year. You haven't been good this year. And you don't really have much at all in the plans for next season. And we're talking about a league that you've got to score points. You have to score 24 to 27 at least to feel like you have a chance week in and week out in the NFL now. And that hasn't been the case going back to last year. Hasn't been the case this year. And on paper, who knows what the hell you have next year. I mean, it's really bleak for the offense. And it's not only the lack of talent the lack of depth, the lack of surety on that side of the ball. At least you could say, hey, if you had Hunter Henry and Farrow Brown sign for next year, you'd say, well, you got two tight ends there. Those guys will, will actually be on the roster and, and be a part of this offense. If you had you know, Kendrick Bourne sign through next year, you could say, hey, maybe he comes back off the ACL. Maybe he can give you something. But it's not only the roster management and the lack of depth and all of the questions that we have, the fact that most of this offense is walking into free agency, including the guys up front, it's also the approach. I go back several weeks ago on this podcast. I talked about Bill Belichick being conservative. And many people 
would push back on that in the X world, which, you know, isn't really reality, right? But there was some pushback to that podcast. Oh, this guy, oh, six Super Bowls, all the all the usual stuff that you get as soon as you criticize Belichick. Not as much now, of course, when you fast forward four or five weeks. Now a lot of people are criticizing Belichick and they want to move on, right? But I brought this up several weeks ago on the podcast. The conservative nature of Belichick and how that flies in the face of what the NFL is today, especially on fourth down. In the Computer Cowboy, an ex-account that I love to follow, he had a post this week, and he breaks down all of the teams in the league into four different categories when it comes to fourth down approach. He has the by-the-books conservative lean. He has by-the-books aggressive lean. He then has confused, and he has full of fear. Those are the four separate categories looking at the fourth down decision-making of head coaches. And the Patriots, I think, are in the perfect spot. They're stuck smack dab in the middle between full of fear and confused. And that makes sense. Because when I've watched the decisions made by Belichick on fourth down, I've been confused a lot. When I've watched the decisions, I have said this guy coaches scared on fourth down. And that's what the numbers show you. So it's not only this idea where the talent isn't good enough. The system, in some cases, might be too archaic for 2023. It's also this idea that when you have the opportunity to get aggressive, to possibly try to score more points, you have a head coach who decides to punt way more than he should in those situations. That's what the numbers tell us. Full of fear slash confused. It is a perfect description of the decisions that have been made by Belichick over the last several years. And in that podcast, going back a few weeks ago, if you think this is just a Mac Jones current issue, offense issue, no, it's not. Because you can go back to 2012. This is when it began with Belichick. Even when he had the GOAT. Even when you had more talent on the offense. Belichick was still lacking aggression. So that's a problem. Not figuring out what you're supposed to do in 2023 on the offensive side, from the top to the bottom. It's really a perfect storm because you also think about the bad evaluation of offensive players, the majority of offensive players, how Belichick has swing and missed. Swung and missed. That's better English, Nick. And he has swung and missed on offensive talent. This idea where, you know, he just doesn't consistently understand who could be valuable in today's game on that side. We don't have to go through the names. We know the names. So you have the combination of missing the evaluation come draft time on offensive players, and then you have the spending question. And spending has been a problem, especially on offense, not on defense as much. When Belichick has wanted to find that defensive prize guy, he goes out there and gets him. He signs him, right? He'll go out there and pay Steph Gilmore top of the market. Now, you go back to 2021, of course, that was a completely different scenario. I'm talking about the the vast majority of the time, 95% of the time, Belichick is looking to cut deals on offense and splurge on defense. And when you look, former Jets analytics employee, Arjun Menon, he actually posted this on X this week as well. And he has four different categories of spending in the league. One category is not spending a lot getting good results. Another category is spending a lot, good results. 
Then you have not spending a lot, not very good results. And then you have spending a lot, not very good results. Those are the four different categories, okay? The Patriots, I'm sure you guessed this already, they are in the category of not spending a lot, also not very good results. So I guess it's good news that you're not spending a ton of money on a team that's not getting you very good results, but you're not spending and you're not getting very good results. That really is a a perfect description of what this team is. So you're missing the evaluation on the young players that you draft. You're not spending as much money offensively as other teams are to beef that side up. And then when you do decide to spend money on offensive players, you have also missed on those guys. You made the decision to sign Juju Smith-Schuster instead of keeping Jacoby Myers. You decided to give Devontae Parker a contract extension instead of signing DeAndre Hopkins. Those are your decisions that you make. The allocation of resources. So it's the perfect storm. It's the perfect bleep storm, frankly, of what's going on. And the other part of this, before we move forward with something else I want to talk about, the other part of the offensive problem is that this team has failed to create an identity for itself. You go back to 2021, we knew what this football team was. We knew what Josh McDaniels was doing. We knew what they had, and they had defined themselves as an offense. They were going to run the football. They were going to have some play action. That that's what this team was. And, and now you look at it. What is this offense? It started last year as they tried to, when we talked about this on the prior pod, about trying to switch over to the West Coast offense, make things more simple. It started with that. There was some confusion about that system, what they wanted to do, what they were trying to accomplish. They had a kind of change in the middle of the plan last year because it wasn't working out. And then you came in this year with this idea of going back to what it was maybe a little bit in 2021 while mixing in the Alabama offense for Mac. There's no identity for this offense. They're not a run first team. They're not a punch you in the mouth team. They have difficulty running a lot of two tight end sets and running the football because they have two tight ends that don't block very well in Gasicki and Henry. They're not really, you know, shotgun all the time. They're not under center all the time. They're going back and forth between that. So what is this offense's calling card? What do they do well? Really nothing. They don't have an identity. It's a mess. It's a mess. And looking forward, I guess you could say, hey, at least they'll have the opportunity to reset because you have a lot of guys going into free agency. And you look at some of the weapons, quote unquote, on this team. I don't think you want to hold on to those guys. It should be rather easy to upgrade on some of the guys on that side of the football in this offseason. If you're doing the draft right and if you're spending right. And of course, who's making those decisions? I hope to hell it's not Bill Belichick. Because he's proven himself inept to put an offense together in 2023. So I hope it's not him. So that's the offensive side. But not all hope is lost. There are some defensive building blocks that we'll get into in a minute. But first and foremost, don't forget, rate and review Apple Pods and Spotify. Like, comment, and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Appreciate every single one of you that have supported this program, whether it was from day one, it was yesterday, or today. I appreciate you. All right, so there is some hope for the defense. Hear me out. I know it's been rough the last few weeks. I know the secondary has looked like trash. I know they've struggled to get to the quarterback. 
I understand all of that. But there's hope for this defense in 2024 and beyond. There's a, a few reasons why I say that. Number one, let's not forget. I, I know we could fall into forgetting these kinds of things because this season has been such a mess. But let's not forget about Christian Gonzalez in the way that young man looked in the first month of this season. The matchups he had to deal with, how well he played, how early he played that well. Christian Gonzalez certainly looks like a CB1 lockdown kind of corner, somebody that you can be very excited about. So I'll boost you up. I'll boost your energy up and your feelings up a little bit, thinking about some of these younger defensive players, starting with Christian Gonzalez. Absolutely looks the part of being that guy. Keon White. Keon White got off to a, a little bit of a slow start because of the concussion. He wasn't getting a ton of snaps. But when you watch Keon play, he is showing those flashes. He has ridiculous athleticism for a guy that is built the way he is. It just jumps off the TV when you watch him. Freakish ability at his size. So he has that athleticism. He's got the frame. There's no doubt about that. I remember covering the Patriots back in 2004, walking through the locker room and seeing Willie McGinnis for the first time and going, holy crap, that is the biggest dude with zero body fat that I've ever seen in my life. And Keon White kind of reminds me of that, but maybe even a little bit bigger than Willie. So, you know, the athleticism, the frame, he doesn't make a lot of mistakes. When he makes mistakes, he seemingly learns from those mistakes. So he certainly looks like somebody who's watching the film, learning from the film, developing because of the film. And when you take that part of a player, when a guy starts to show the ability to make the best of the mistakes that he had made in the past by learning from them at this young of age in his first year, and you combine that with his athleticism, his just natural ability, that's when you talk about somebody who could be really good, similar to Christian Gonzalez. Gonzalez is a freak athletically, and he's somebody who apparently learns from his mistakes, watches the film, studies the game, understands what he needs to do to be at his best. Keon White, very similar. And Keon's also versatile. We've seen it. He's played the edge better than I thought he'd play the edge in his rookie season. You can slide him inside to get a little bit of pass rush. So Keon White is another reason why we should have some hope for this defense moving forward. How about Christian Barmore? Barmore last year went through an injury-riddled season. He had some issues because of it. He wasn't the same guy for a stretch because of it. But now you look at what Barmore has done for this team the last few weeks. Barmore has been this team's best defensive player for like the last month. And it's week after week after week after week. Impact plays over and over and over again. Evan Lazar, Patriots.com, posted this on Barmore this week. Last four games, here's where Barmore ranks among interior defensive linemen in the entire league. Last four weeks, Barmore has the third most quarterback pressures from an interior defensive lineman in the NFL. Pro football focus, the pass rush grade, 83.6 for Barmore. That is second best in the NFL over the last month. And he's also learned how to defend the run, which is great to see. Kind of came in with this idea of he's a pass rushing, you know, IDL. But when you look at what he's doing this season, especially over the last month, he is proving that he's also pretty damn good at 
defending the run. 10 run stops the last four weeks, tied for the third most in the NFL. Third most pressures, third most run stops, and according to Pro Football Focus, the second best pass rush grade in the entire league. Barmore is surging. You should be excited for Christian Barmore. And I would say that the Patriots should be eyeing signing Barmore to an extension as soon as possible, as soon as allowed, because this guy is balling out. You know, he was a first-round talent that fell to the second round in that draft a couple years ago, and he looks like one of the true, exciting building blocks for this defense. I'd also like them, the Patriots, to put Kyle Duggar back into the box-playing safety. They have miscast him. He has not had a very good year. He's taken a step back. If you're keeping him, and you better keep him now that you did not trade him at the deadline, if you're going to keep him, put him where he belongs. Put him in the box. Let him make plays. Let him go downhill. That's what he does best. Take him out of this free safety crap, please. If you put Duggar back in his role, I feel good about Duggar being an impact player. Is he ever going to be as good as we hoped that he would be? Probably not. Is he still capable of being pretty damn good? Absolutely. And then you have Matthew Judon, who will be coming back after his injury in Dallas. Judon, obviously, one of the best pass rushers in football, one of the best edge players in football. He is a guy that can do both. He can defend the run, contain the edge. He can do that. He can get after the quarterback. And he was having a tremendous first month of the season this year. So you've got Judon on the edge. And so when you look at this from 30,000 feet, unlike, and this really is a microcosm of Bill Belichick's GM tenure and kind of how he rolls with talent and what he likes to put resources into and what he doesn't put as much resources into, right? You look at the offense, it's very difficult to find anybody outside of Pop Douglas and maybe Ramondre Stevenson as building blocks right here, right now. You really don't feel good about anybody else going into 2024. Defensively, it's different. Defensively, you have that hope. You can look at the talent. The most critical positions defensively are cornerback and pass rusher, guy that can play the edge. If you have a true cornerback one and you have a true elite pass rusher, you're getting off to a very good start. And what I just outlined for you, four or five young guys who can really step up and be at the top of their class at their position on the defensive side. You have the opportunity at an elite cornerback one in Christian Gonzalez. You have two possible elite defensive linemen on the inside and White, who you can push out to the outside from time to time. You have Barmore and White. You have a top-tier pass rusher, edge player, and Judon. You have a top-tier linebacker and Jawan Bentley. So you have the pieces to the puzzle that could allow you to be a very good defense next season if you stay healthy, especially if you add here and there. Now, I think 90% of the additions should be offensively driven because of what we've talked about today. But defensively, you should have hope. And this team overall on that side of the ball is much more athletic. 
You have Jonathan Jones. You have Marcus Jones, who should be back. Hopefully, Marte Mapu, again, puts he gets put in the correct role next season, and he's not playing deep safety and, and blowing coverages. But he's a super athlete. Gonzalez is a super athlete. White is a super athlete. Barmore's a super athlete for his size. Judon's a super athlete. You get the point. So there's your hope on the defensive side. All right, some big questions heading into Germany that we need to uh, ask before that game on Sunday morning. That's coming up in a minute. First, don't forget to rate and review Apple Pods and Spotify and on YouTube. Give us that like. Give us that thumbs up. Takes a second of your time. It means more eyeballs for us. It means we can grow the family, the community here, the Nick Cattle Show. So give us that thumbs up. Throw in a comment as well. And don't forget to subscribe. All right, some quick Pat's Colts thoughts as we get ready for Sunday. The biggest question is, will the Patriots show up? Everything going on right now, will they show up? I mean, physically, they'll be there, hopefully. I hope they don't get lost in Germany. But, you know, will they show up and approach this game in the right manner? You're two and seven. It feels like your season is pretty much done. At best, it's slipping away from you. You had the Jack Jones, JC Jackson drama impacting things all week long. You've got a quarterback who's unsure. He's not confident. He continues to make mistakes. So you've got the Mac stuff going on. You have a secondary that has looked awful the last couple of weeks. Busting coverages, missing tackles, missing assignments, just an atrocity on the back end. And you've got this wide receiver thing that you're trying to figure out. You played Juju and Taekwon last week. Taekwon lasted three series, then was benched. Juju played five snaps in the first half. Are we going to see Kayshawn Booty? I know Belichick sounded optimistic about playing Booty this weekend. But we fell for that last weekend. Are we going to fall for it again this weekend? Will we see booty? We best see booty. We best see booty on Sunday morning. That's how I feel. You have nothing to lose. Taekwon had his opportunity. He stunk. Let's let's move on to the next young receiver and see if he can do more than what Taekwon can do. So what will the receivers look like? There's just so many questions surrounding this team. They are in prime position to tap out. And I'm not saying they're going to. They're in prime position to be a team that says, you know what? Done. We're two and seven. We have no chance. We've got all this drama and crap playing out. We're, we're in Germany. We've got Dubai next week. Our coach is getting questioned. He doesn't look like he has as much of a clue anymore. We don't know what the hell's going on with him. This thing's going off the rails. We enjoy Germany on Friday night. We go out there. We do what we got to do, throw the football out there and see what happens and be lifeless. This team is in a position to look like that on Sunday. It's going to be fascinating to see if there's any kind of urgency, if there's any kind of passion, how much pride is left for these guys. What will they look like? Will they show up? I mean, Mac Jones should be very motivated. Mac Jones should be incredibly motivated to play his best football. He has eight games left to prove himself. That's the way he's got to look at this. He has about a half a season left to make the Patriots believe somehow, some way that he's the answer for next season. So he should be motivated. The issue is, will his mechanics be there? Will the footwork be there? Can he stay away from some of the 
you know, the, the two or three ugly mistakes or decisions that he makes seemingly every week, can he stay away from those or at least limit them to one or two just awful decisions? I don't expect anybody to be flawless, but some of these just mind-blowing decisions, can he stay away from those kinds of plays? I mean, the tough part for Mac, obviously, and this offense is, as I just said, it wide receiver. What does he have to work with? We talked about it early in the week about, you know, all the all the kind of assembling of the wide receiver position, just throwing it up against the wall, the lack of chemistry. Talked about it late last week. You know, how how high can your expectations be? Not just because of the quarterback. I understand that you don't have great expectations for Mac right now. That that's deserved. But even if Mac was playing better, how high are the expectations when you've got Jalen Rager? And, you know, Kayshawn Booty, who is still an unknown. You know, no Devontae Parker. Like You've, you've got popped. You're relying on two sixth-round rookies to give you some life in the passing game at the receiver position. That's not ideal for anybody. I, I couldn't care less who the quarterback was right now. Just looking at that position, how much can you get out of that position? It's going to be a huge challenge. Some keys. Offensive line. Will they keep playing well? They've played much better the last couple of weeks. Evan Lazar, again, Patriots.com. The last three weeks, the Patriots offensive line, the pressure rate, 29.1%, under 30%. Shout out to those guys. Tip of the cap. They've been playing better football. It is no longer the case that you can look at this offensive line and, and blame them and say, oh, a quarterback can't survive with all of that pressure. That was the case the first five or six weeks. But, but they've started to figure things out. A Wenu at right tackle has made a big difference. Now, Trent Brown won't be there this weekend, as was the case last weekend. Can Connor McDermott stand up again and, and do a decent job like he did a week ago? That's going to be a question. But this offensive line has played much better recently. Can they keep that moving? Can they continue that? The Indianapolis defense, by the way, if you're wondering, they're not aggressive. They play tons of zone. Again, thanks to Evan Lazar. The Colts play zone 12.3% of that. Nope, scratch that. They play man 12.3% of the time. So they play a ton of zone. I mean, if you're playing 12% man, we all know that means about 88% of the time you're playing zone. So Mac and the Patriots should have a pretty good idea as to what is going to play out in front of them. And, you know, we know the Patriots issues versus man coverage. So will Indianapolis try to play a little bit more man? Maybe, but that's not what they do. They don't play a lot of man. They also don't blitz much. This is not a very aggressive front as far as, far as throwing out exotic blitzes and doing all sorts of different things. That's not what they do. So if the offensive line can hold their water, Mac should have some time. Mac should have some time, and he should understand what is playing out in front of him defensively because they're not going to mess around too much. The million-dollar question is, will Mac perform at a higher level? And also, another million-dollar question is, can his receivers actually get open for him consistently, including the tight ends? Will we see this continued juice from Ramondre Stevenson, who's been much better the last couple of weeks? He's had more burst. He has, been, has had better finish to his runs. Will we see that Stevenson pop up again on Sunday morning? Now, defensively, can the Patriots limit the chunk plays? They've been getting destroyed on 20 
yards or more kind of plays. These chunk plays of just 20 plus, 20 plus, 20 plus over and over and over again. You got to be responsible and disciplined in the secondary. You have to be able to, you know, tackle consistently. How will the defensive front play against Jonathan Taylor? Will Will they be able to slow down the run game? They've done a decent job against the run. I do think some of those statistics are misleading, but they have to make sure that they bottle up Taylor and contain Gardner Minshew within the pocket. Don't allow him to extend and make plays like we saw with Sam Howell last week. Contain him in the pocket. Get him a little bit rattled. That's what the defense has to do. Bigger picture, will Robert Kraft, Jonathan Kraft, will they pop up? Will they be visible? Will they do interviews? If they do interviews, if they're asked about Bill Belichick, if they're asked about this team, what will they say? Will Jonathan Kraft and Robert Kraft be asked about that video last week that I threw up there on X at Nick C Radio? That way, <laughs> if you want to follow me, if you're watching on YouTube, I pointed wrong direction. This way, at Nick C Radio. You know, will will the Crafts speak? Or will they be hiding in the shadows of Frankfurt? I don't know. You know, if, if the Crafts don't speak, if you don't see them, that's unusual given the circumstances. It's a big-time game for them. So, Like one of those primetime games, so to speak. So will they show themselves? Will they talk? If they don't, I think we keep that as an important note. Things are better left unsaid, maybe. All right, rate and review, like, comment, subscribe. Let's get to the prediction. Colts, minus one and a half. The over-under is 43 and a half. I said earlier this week, and I'm going to stand by it, I'm not picking the Patriots. I'm not picking the Patriots. I just can't find it within any fiber of my being to pick this football team right now. I just can't do it. So I'm going to go with the Colts giving the one and a half, and I'll go with the over because the Patriots secondary has been giving up big plays. And I do think the Patriots have a bit of an opportunity here against this zone defense and a defense that doesn't blitz much. I do think they'll have a good idea as to what Indy's going to do. So I'll go with the Colts minus one and a half and the over. The 43 and a half, I'll go over on that. All right, I appreciate every single one of you. Thanks for your support. Enjoy your weekend. Try to somehow enjoy the game on Sunday morning. We'll be back on Monday to recap everything. Until then, it's the Nick Cattle Show.